we want to uh, we'll take our reading. Uh, we'll stay in the book of Galatians like we were last week. Uh, we'll stay in the book of Galatians. We're going to go to the fifth chapter. And uh, and last week we we, we, we kind of tr- we tried to uh, express the importance of of sound uh, of sound teaching uh, and and how we should uh, how we should guard uh, the pulpit. I, I believe it's the pulpit for us today. But it's not just the pulpit. We don't only teach in the pulpit. We have Sunday school teachers. You know, people we elect as Sunday school teachers. We need to make sure that they can they can teach. The truth, and I mean uh, that they can teach the rightly divided word of God. It's uh, it's important uh, that 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 be the case, because uh, well intentioned as uh, as somebody may be, they may get into a situation where they've been uh, where they have been laden with the task of teaching the word of God in some capacity, and uh, and and they may uh, may not through nefarious means, but they may teach something that's not true. And so we need to make sure that uh, as much as possible that we're teaching the, the true word of God. And, uh, and I'd like to, to show this week a little bit, uh, try to get to a little bit of, uh, uh, of the results of, of what happens if we don't do that. And, uh, and so that's what happened in the, in the church in Galatia. And so I'm going to start in the fifth chapter in the first verse. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall, uh, uh, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every <clears throat> to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And I want to stop right there. And I'd like to use a title this week, um, and, and it's one that we, I don't think we would usually use, but I'm going to get, it's going to come out of the fourth verse, and it's going to be fallen from grace. Fallen from grace. Now we, uh, as Faith Missionary Baptist Church, oh yeah, that, I thought I knew I would get some eyes. <laughs> now we believe that once you're saved, you're always saved, and that it's impossible to fall from grace. Now I believe I agree with that, and I'm not going to dispute that. But we also have to make the acknowledgement that Paul writing to the church in Galatia here, he says very plainly, he says that ye are fallen from grace. He doesn't really mince words, and, and, and he says it very, very straightforwardly and matter of fact. Now, we've got to think about this and say in what context have they fallen from grace, right? 
because there's a lot of instances where somebody may say, I'm saved. He asked the Pharisees, what did you come out to the baptism of John to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Look at the way this, it starts out in the fifth chapter, or the fifth chapter. It says, "Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty there, there wherewith Christ hath made you, made us free." In other words, don't be shaken with some other wind of doctrine that somebody may give you that doesn't teach the doctrine that liberated you from the yoke of bondage and sin that you were under before we came and we taught you the truth. Then he's also going to say, now, now I don't know how, I mean, I understand how people teach it. I understand this is the most prevalent form uh, today. Um, but, um, but he says, uh, be ye not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's saying you better live your life as, as a separate, set-apart people. Now, why would that be? Because it wasn't anything but the blood of Christ that purchased their liberty. That purchased their freedom. That purchased their salvation. It was the blood of Christ that purchased it. And if they're going to, if they're going to heed themselves to something else or attach themselves to something else, then they've turned their back on the blood of Christ. I want to say this. A person who's truly regenerated, will never do that. I truly believe a person that's that's truly regenerated, that means they got under conviction, it's real for them. They got under conviction, uh, that conviction led to a point of contrition, that contrition led to a place of godly sorrow, and in the midst of that godly sorrow, God granted them repentance. See, it's real. The teachings that's gonna, the, the teachings that had invaded, they were tangible. They were more worried about, uh, uh, more worried about uh, observances and ritual than they were about spiritual things. I'm going to prove that in the fourth chapter. Uh, in the fourth chapter, I'm going to start in the seventh verse. It says, "Wherefore thou art no more a ser- where thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ." That's what we all are when we get saved. We're heirs of God. He asks the question in the eighth verse. He says, "How be it then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which are uh, which by nature are no gods." Now, that's referring to how they lived before they got saved. Uh, They were pagan and they were idolaters uh, and they worshipped images. That's what it means to be be an idolater. It's it's an image worshiper. And so there they are. They're worshiping the images uh, and and they gave reverence unto those things. In the ninth verse, though, he goes on, he says, but now... Right? In other words, that's how you were then, and here's how you are now, because of the blood of Christ, which paid for the sin debt of you, of you uh, and all of those who are your, are your brethren. Uh, but now, after ye have known God, or rather, I like how he, he clarifies it here, right? Because it's true. Because when you get saved, you, you, get, you, have, your, you have an experience with God, don't you? 
That's real salvation is experiential knowledge or experimental knowledge. That's something that you know. Right? It can't be stripped away from you. Why? Because you did it. And not you, but God did the work. But you went through it. You experienced it. It was supernatural, wasn't it? When God saved your soul. It was something that was, as the songs say, or, and, and, and I, once I was, you know, for, I was lost and now I'm found. Uh, it's like the blind man says, I don't know what to tell you other than I was blind and now I can see. I don't know anything else other than that. And, and because of that, we can't explain the, the hows and the whys it happened. We can just say, well, we just, we know it happened. That's your testimony, isn't it? But he says, or rather, are known of God. Remember, God had pushed them off to the side, hadn't he? God had taken Israel and, and, and then he had put a wall of partition between the Gentile world and the, and the, and the Israelite world. By the time Jesus comes on the scene, they're so steeped in their traditions, they won't even be permitted to go into the same room as they're in. <laughs> this is why it was such a mystery, I believe, when Peter was sent to Cornelius's house, when we read about that interaction in, in the book of Acts, when Peter was sent to Cornelius's house and, and Peter is, is, is kind of held back by some of his previous positions as to what he should, uh, uh, should do as it pertained to going into Cornelius's house, uh, but he goes into Cornelius's house and, uh, and he preaches and, and, uh, and they get saved and, uh, and, and so, uh, and they get, and they get baptized and they get uh, filled with with the Holy Spirit and and they're speaking in tongues and it's the same scene as what they, you see happening in the in, in the church in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost, only on a smaller scale. The Spirit of God was poured out upon all flesh. Peter was a little confused about that that dream that he had sitting up on the rooftop. He was he understood it very clearly after that instance there at Cornelius's house. They accepted it in Jerusalem at the Jeru at the church in Jerusalem. They accepted it. That the spirit of God was also poured out upon the Gentiles. So not only do they know God now, but they are known of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing to say that I know him and he knows me? Isn't that what Jesus said all the time? My sheep hear me, they know me, and they hear my voice, and they do follow me. In other words, I know who my sheep are, and my sheep know who I am. And that's the way it is. That's what he says. He says, After that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again? He's going to ask a question here. 
And I don't believe this is a rhetorical question. I believe he's asking a legitimate question here. He says, How turn ye again to the weak and the beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Now, here's the thing. The teachings that they had accepted wasn't the teachings that they had lived by, um, a lot of them. I mean, now, we've got to remember, uh, whenever he went to an area in his missionary journeys, he always went to the synagogue first, Right? He would always go to the local synagogue and he would reason with the, the Jews that were in that place first and he would usually get a crowd of non-Jewish people that would be interested in what he was saying. But there would be no doubt some, some, some people who were of Jewish heritage that would be in that crowd. And so he asks this question. He says, how turn you again to the weak and the beggarly elements? Whereunto you be desired. Now, there's obviously a, a, a mixed group here, right? Um, because he makes the statement that circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. So there's obviously uh, some people there who are uh, fleshly and uh, are fleshly Jewish, and, and those there are fleshly Gentile. He calls it the weak and the beggarly elements. Where until you labor again to, uh, where until you desire again to be in bondage. Now this is the part where this is the part where he's going to lay into lay it out of what it was that they had accepted. He says, "Ye observe days, ye observe and months and times and years." In other words, they had accepted to observe the Jewish calendar. That was. They could, they could agree on that. They, I guess they all would deem that to be palatable. But that's what he's taking them to task over. The, 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 uh, the observances of the new moon Sabbath, all the Sabbaths that would be wrapped in, all the days and all the, all the, it, all the things that were wrapped up in that, those, that was all ceremonial. And Jesus took the ceremonial law and he, it, and that was, that was just, that was abolished. That was taken out of the way. In the 11th verse, he says, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Now, why would he say that? He's saying, I'm afraid of you unless I've wasted my time preaching to you guys. If you're so easily swayed to go back into something else other than what, what we know to be true, I've wasted my time here with you. And so that's where that's where we see where he's where he's kind of gone gone awry. Uh, I want to go back over here for just a moment, and I want to look, and I want to show you. Uh, there's a verse that we use all the time, and, and it's such a true verse. It's the the ninth verse, the last verse we stop with. That a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. In other words, we oftentimes think that what's going to lead us astray, what's going to destroy us, is going to be a ton of sin, right? But no, it's not a ton of sin. Uh, all you have to have is a little bit of sin introduced, and, and then it's going to spoil the whole lump. Or the whole lump will become leavened, let's just put it that way. Now, the very best e example that we have of that is over in... Uh, in 1 Corinthians. And I want to turn over there for just a moment. 
to uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to read about the, the church there in Corinth. The church there in Corinth was allowing and tolerating things. And now look, I believe that we should tolerate things. But they were tolerating things in the church that shouldn't be tolerated. They, they ceased to exercise discipline. And they said, we're not going to allow these. We're not going to punish people for doing these things. And so, uh, and so we get down here. Uh, and we see that uh, uh, in the fifth verse, he says, It's commonly reported that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is, uh, as is not so much named among the Gentiles, uh, that one should have his father's wife. They were allowed. They were, they, were, they were tolerating that. They probably took the same position that we take today, where they said, well, it's none of my business. It's none of my business. You know, if you go back in the Old Testament, you'll find plenty of times where the sin of one was to the hurt of the entire. Right? Where the sin of one was was to the detriment of the entire nation. After they, had won, after they had won the battle at Jericho, they were going to go up and they were going to face Ai. Ai was a much smaller city than Jericho was. Jericho was, had great big walls, fortified city. And because of God's help, they destroyed that city. And they, they won a, a, an impressive victory very quickly. And, and with the help of Rahab. You can read about this in Joshua. They decide that next we'll go up to Ai. And now you, when you read this uh, account in Scripture, and I'm going to paraphrase it. I don't want to bore you to tears and, and go over there and read too much Scripture. But uh, if you go over there and, and you read the account, one of the things that they say before they go up to Ai is they look at the size of Ai and they say, well, Ai is a small city, so we don't all need to go up there. Uh, we'll just send a few of them up there. We'll send half. Let's just say half. I can't remember the exact number that they sent. But let's just say, well, we'll send half this time. But they didn't realize the sin that had taken place in Jericho that one man had committed. Achan. Achan had looked upon some of the Babylonish garments and, and looked upon some of the things there that the Lord had commanded Joshua that they were not to take any of the spoil of that city. And uh, and he took some of it and he took it to his tent and he hid it in his tent, buried in his tent maybe. I can't recall exactly what he did with it. But he took it to his tent and he hid it. Uh, and uh, and so they went and they, they they had this embarrassing loss against the city of Ai. And, uh, and Joshua is really distressed and he's perplexed and he goes to the Lord and he says, Lord, how is it that we have suffered this, in, this horrible defeat? God says, because y'all did what I told you not to do at Jericho. Now I'm paraphrasing that. And so they started trying to search out the sin of, of Israel. And they finally found it with, with Achan. See, the sin of one man had caused the whole camp to suffer defeat. Now there's a couple lessons in that story that I often 
think about that we all have to be together and we all have to have be bought into the beliefs that this church adheres to and we have to practice them. If we want the church to succeed, then we've got to be Christians. We can't profess in word and then not follow up in deed. We oftentimes say, be ye doers of the word and not hearers of the word. Not realizing in the, in, the, in, 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 the, in the cessation of not doing the things which we've agreed to do, we've become exactly that, hearers and not doers. In the sixth verse, Paul says this. He says, your glorying is not good. Before that, he said, deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And then he says, your glorying is not good. Know ye, now listen, he says, know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The very same thing he told the church in Galatia, he told the church in Corinth, and he says, and he gives the example of how you rectify that. And this is what's not popular today. He says, purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new leaven, as ye are unleavened. For even as Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us, therefore let us keep the feast... Not with the old leaven, neither with leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now that's what should exist in the confines of the church of the Lord. Sincerity of belief and adherence to the truth. We worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to go back over here. Just for a moment. Actually, I want to go to the 16th chapter of uh, of the book of Luke, and uh, I want to use an, in, an uh, I want to use something that Jesus told the Pharisees uh, about this about this reversion back into uh, back into uh, this thing that had caused them to fall from grace. Because what he's saying uh, when he says ye are fallen from grace, he's saying that you're no longer uh, adhering to the blood of Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul and the victory over sin and death and hell and the grave. You're adhering to yourself and to the works of your own hands. In other words, he's saying you've turned your back on the one that died for you and you have instead determined that you can save yourself. For, for that reason, Paul says ye are fallen from grace. But I don't believe it's saving grace that they fell from. I believe it's a grace that they thought they had. <laughs> but their actions proved they didn't have it and that they needed to get it. And if they had just been betrayed through teaching, then they needed to correct it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't need to repent to the Lord. 
though not from the, not from the sin of death, right? Uh, not from uh, not from uh, not from the place of uh, of Hebrews six, but but for the uh, but for falling for the false teaching. Uh, he comes back and he says, "I have confidence in you through the Lord." Now, isn't that amazing? He says, "He says a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump." And then he turns around and he says, "I have confidence that you will none be none otherwise minded, but that, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be." So you know you have to look and you have to say, "Who is it that's causing a lot of the strife? Who is it that's causing the problems? Who is it that's causing the contention and causing the turmoil?" And that's usually going to be the one that you need to root out of the church. That's what he says. I want to go on down a little bit. I want to go down a little bit. Fourteenth verse, he says, For the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now we know that that is the second commandment upon which the entirety of the law is given. The first one is to love God uh, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. And the second is like unto the first, uh, that you will love your neighbor uh, as yourself. Uh, so look at this. He's saying to the, uh, to the Pharisees in the 16th chapter of Luke, he says, But ye are they which justify yourselves before men. Now listen, that's before men. But God, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. What is the thing that's highly esteemed among men? To be lauded of man, to be esteemed, to be to be to seek fame, to seek fortune, to seek all of those things. God says, you know, that's an abomination in my sight. If that's what you're uh, what you're seeking for, to the, extent, to the extent he's having a conversation with the Pharisees, and we remember that they would stand on the street corners with uh, with their flackerties enlarged and, and with the borders of their garments enlarged, and they would pray out loud so that everybody would see them, and uh, and they would love to be looked at as this some holy person, holier than thou person, uh, and that's not the way we should be. Uh, and so he says, the law and the prophets were until John, and since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into to it, uh, and uh, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one jot, uh, than one tittle of the law to fail. Whosoever, uh, no, sorry, I'm going to stop right there. Let's not go there. Um, and uh, and so we go back, and we're going to finish up. We're going to finish up. Now, one of the people running for president right now. Correctly said that this country is in a battle for its soul. I'm gonna I want to point out where that battle is. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thyself as thy neighbor. Or love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another. Remember, Jesus came 
to not bring peace, right? He came to bring division. He came to bring a sword which would pierce to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, would let everyone know where they stand with God, and, uh, and that's exactly what he brought. And so there's this, uh, this, 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 this delineation made between the spirit of man and the flesh of man. And so you have those that are attempting, uh, that are walking in the spirit or, or making the effort to walk in the spirit. Then you have those who have turned and they say, I want to, I want to rather walk in the flesh. And so there's a natural conflict there. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Why? Because you've been made free. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ, which stained the old rugged cross, as we sung before we got uh, before we got up here. The blood of Christ shall make you free, uh, and the, the truth of God will make you free indeed. Uh, and so we look at this, and he says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. So we have to think about this. So we have to say, okay, here's the, here's the works of the flesh. And now you have to examine what's going on today, and you have to say, okay, which which... For lack of a better word, side is advocating for these things and which side isn't. Now, I will say this. To a certain degree, you'll find people on either side of the divide, uh, people who profess to walk in the Spirit, but they're really not walking in the Spirit, professing a lot of the same things are the people who are walking in the flesh. Uh, So you've got to be careful and be able to ferret that out. Uh, And so if you look at this, uh, it, it says, Now, these the works of the flesh are made manifest, which are these... Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, that's sexual immorality, and lasciviousness, right? There's a group, very very influential in the country right now. BLM. Now, you've got to make a difference on BLM. The, a lot of the people who advocate for it, their intentions are true, but the people who run the organization that is that, their intentions are not. One of the things that they espouse is the dissolution of the nuclear family. They don't want a monogamous relationship between a man and a woman, and they don't want children to grow up in a household with a mother and a father. Especially a father. And you want to say, well, when did that start? That started under LBJ in the 60s with the welfare state. But listen to this. If, you, if, you're, going to, if, you're, going to, if you're going to advocate for the destruction of the nuclear family, then I want to tell you what you are advocating for is you're advocating for adultery, you're advocating for you're advocating for the things that we just read about. You're advocating for fornication and uncleanness and lasciviousness. You're advocating for those things if you're going to advocate against a monogamous marriage between a husband and a wife, one man, one woman, the way God ordained it at the very beginning of creation, if you're going to advocate against that, you're going to advocate against God first and foremost, but you're going to promote these qualities. 
Next was idolatry. That's image worship. We've already talked about that. I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Next is witchcraft. Here's really fun. Here's where it gets really interesting, right? Witchcraft. When we think of witchcraft, we usually think of uh, some woman with a, war- with a wart on her nose, and she's usually green, and she's got a crazy hat on, and she wears a black... Uh, a black uh, uh, a robe or whatever you want to call it uh, and uh, and she usually stands around a pot and, and she uses the eye of newt and crazy ingredients like that to cast a spell but that's not what the word is that's translated here as witchcraft the word is pharmakia does anybody recognize that? pharma? you, go, you probably go there to get your medicine don't you? the pharmacy? So it's pharmakia. So what it's talking about is a, a, a use of either medicinal or, 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 or illegal, right, drugs. Drug use. Why do you think people are fleeing New York right now? Because the drug use is so rampant. We're in, a, we're in a battle, folks. I want you to know that. We're in a battle. We, be, I want, we better get that through our head. And we, be, we, better be, we better be seeking the, Lord, the Lord's intervention here. Hatred, variance. Variance. I want to stop with variance. Variance is, one, is, is the thing that has been used to undermine the country the most. What's variance? It's focusing on the differences. That we're told is a virtue now. But God says, if, how can two walk together except they be agreed? There's got to be unity. Now, I've I got to say this. The state model of Kentucky is united we stand, divided we fall. We've forgotten that concept. We would rather look at the differences and say, oh, that's what makes us strong. No, what makes us strong is the thing that centrally unites us. And it better be God, the first and, the first and foremost thing. We may not all believe the same. We may not all practice the same. But on some level, we better be an acknowledgement of God in heaven who reigns from eternity, who inhabits eternity. And so we look at this and we go on and we say, okay, uh, emulations and wrath and strife and seditions. And, and we see these things happening in our streets right now, don't we? And in the highest halls of government. Heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. How do you respond? How do you respond to that? You're a child of God. You've been born again. And if you're here today and you don't know what that means and the, and, 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 you're, uh, and the Lord's dealing with you, uh, you need to come up here and you need to seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul now while you have time and opportunity because we never know when the, when the Lord's coming back. If we did, we'd make sure we had everything in order, wouldn't we? And when He showed up, we would all be glad. But that's not the way it's going to happen. 
So that was the flesh. And how do we how, what, how do we respond, those that walk in the Spirit? How do you respond? Uh, because it's a very tempting feeling to see the things that are occurring today and want to be stirred uh, with a lot of the same feelings and, and to want to reciprocate uh, and to want to retaliate uh, and to want to seek vengeance out uh, against those that are doing those things. But we that walk in the Spirit need to be reminded that it's not... Uh, that is not how we're supposed to walk. Uh, the Lord didn't say that vengeance is ours. He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, long-suffering, greatness, gentleness, faith, meek, meekness, temperance. He says, against such there is no law. That's how they are. No longer under the law. Laws are for lawbreakers. And they that are Christ's. This is what we have to understand. And it's easy to forget. For those of us here that's saved, this is how this is the importance that this should have in your life. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh and the affections with the affections and lusts. In other words, those things which are which are laid out uh, in the uh, in the previous verses as how the fle- how the flesh is made manifest. Those things should not any longer have sway over you. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, you know what he said? Let us not be hearers, but let us be doers. Let us be doers. It's one thing to say, yeah, I went and heard a good sermon and uh, I slapped the preacher on the back and I said, good sermon, preacher. If you're not living it, it's going to be very easy for you to fall from grace because the grace that you're holding to is not the grace of God, in my opinion. And let us not be desirous of vainglory. That's empty glory. That's glory that doesn't have any weight. That's glory that's useless. Right? Vainglory. How what's vainglory? Provoking one another and envying one another. Don't need to be irritable. That's what provoking means. It means being an irritating person. Don't be irritable and don't be jealous. I want to close. With a reminder. How did they fall from grace? Because Christ had become of known effect. They they were not any longer relying upon the blood of Jesus Christ 
for their victory. They weren't relying upon it for their salvation. They were, reply, they were relying upon their self and their own works. But it's not by works which we are saved. It is by grace because it is the gift of God. If you're here today and you're lost and you do not know the Lord in the free pardon forgiveness of sin, it is a beautiful day today outside. It's a little humid, <laughs> but it is a beautiful day nonetheless. If you're lost and the Lord's dealing with you, if you come and you, and you seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul, and you seek Him until you find Him precious to your soul, it'll be an even more beautiful day today. Brother Williams, while, you, while we stand and sing, if you've got a song ready, that's my message this morning.